This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. And we all like to think of ourselves as clean. We like to think of ourselves as clean. We all, we all like to smell nice. We brush our teeth so we don't we smell nice. We don't have dirty mouth smell. We put on clean clothes so we look clean. We all like to smell clean, look clean. That's what we like to do. None of us like to think of ourselves as filthy, but the Bible says we are filthy unclean on the inside. Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing. Not only the sins of our actions have made us unclean, but our sinful thoughts have made us unclean because Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, Matthew 15, 18, those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are the things that defile a man. Every time there is a wish, oh, I wish that person was dead, that's murder. Every time there is a thought of sex outside of marriage, that's adultery, that's fornication. Every lie, every thought that God was evil, those are all indelible, filth on the soul, and only a soul cleansing can remove that filth. And soul defilement is a horrible consequence of the fall into sin. And with the fall into sin comes an inner sense of want, an empty feeling. A man feels like he's just not really complete inside. I just don't have it. I feel hungry for something, man says, but he doesn't know what it is. He thinks that maybe it's money. If only I had money, then I'd feel complete. When he gets money, not satisfied, so he next moves on to buying things with the money. I need this, I need that. Always looking for that one thing that will satisfy that inner hunger, that inner thirst. He thinks maybe a relationship, maybe that woman, maybe that man, that perfect person that I can link up with. Always searching, never finding, because inner hunger and inner thirst are a horrible consequence of falling into sin. And then man feels in a state of conflict, tension. So many antidepressive drugs are given today. He feels that he's on the high alert, like in a war. Can't really let his guard down. He can't really truly relax. He feels like a soldier who never sleeps with his weapon far from him, always with his helmet and his weapon near him. About one third of all people in the US report that they have insomnia. That's the reported rate. Of the reported rate, 
it is growing at a rate of 6%. Insomnia is much higher than that because those figures are only for people that report that they have insomnia. I mean, think about it. One out of three people in the U.S. have reported that they have insomnia. Soldiers have insomnia because they're always at war. They never know when the next battle is going to come. The Bible teaches that sin brings a conflict to the soul and a state of no peace. Isaiah 57, 20, Isaiah 57, 20 says, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Sin makes a person to be like a troubled sea, restless, no peace. No peace is a horrible consequence of a fall into sin. Another consequence of sin is the feeling of loneliness. A person could be surrounded by a crowd of people and feel a loneliness inside. Someone could be sitting in a pew right next to you and feel a loneliness inside, surrounded. A person could be married and all the time to be with his or her spouse and yet feel lonely and always live with that fear. Maybe that spouse is gonna die. And just the thought of losing that spouse is enough to trigger a deep feeling of loneliness. People are just not able to satisfy that inner feeling of loneliness, even with a spouse. A woman might say to her husband, I feel so lonely. Her husband might say, well, what am I, chopped liver? And the lonely is not taken away because it's a special kind of loneliness. Loneliness is a horrible consequence to falling into sin. And then sin brings about this feeling of emptiness inside. Days are filled with rushing, putting out this fire, putting out that fire, going from this crisis to that crisis. No lack of things to do. No lack of responsibilities that need to be met. No lack of promises that have to be kept. But then there's finally that time to sit down and look back on life. And there's that feeling of emptiness, emptiness. That feeling of that, is that what it's all about? Alfie, is that all there is to life? Just doing, doing, doing until that final call, that final 911 call, and then a memorial service? Is there nothing more? And all that thinking just amplifies the deep feeling of emptiness, a feeling of being unfulfilled in life. Some might say, I'm so busy, I don't have time to think about my emptiness, but that doesn't remove the emptiness. Emptiness is a horrible consequence of falling into sin. And sin brings about a feeling of being hurt. Life hurts. People we have put our trust in and confidence in hurt us. We've been betrayed by those who we trusted. Sometimes being betrayed has hurt so deeply that it's caused us to become hard and hurt others. And so the cycle of hurt and being hurt, divorce, God calls betrayal, treachery. Hurt is a horrible consequence of falling into sin. And sin causes a person to feel like, I don't have an anchor in life. There's an overall feeling of insecurity. News is so frightening. There comes this feeling of the need to lock the doors, get more locks on the doors. I remember when my mother and my stepfather lived in New York City and we spent one night with them there, there were four locks on the doors. One, two, three, four, every night. This place was more secure than Fort Knox. There's that feeling of a separation from, where did I come from? That feeling of not knowing, 
where did I come from? It's amazing to see the popularity in this genetic testing of uh, 23andMe and Ancestor.com to, to find out Roots. Oh, the movie Roots, how popular, popular that was. Because the question is, who are my ancestors? What nationalities make up a part of my heritage? If I can just find out who my people are, then maybe I can find myself and discover a new self a new self that's not the self I've known, not the guilty self, not the dirty self, not the broken self, not the restless self, not the lonely self, not the empty self, not the hurt self. Somewhere in the pedigree of my ancestors, I hope to find a new self because there's this underlying feeling of insecurity. The insecurity of not knowing where I came from, the insecurity of not knowing why am I here, why am I alive on earth, and the insecurity of not knowing where am I going, all of that insecurity is a horrible consequence of falling into sin. And then with all that insecurity, it just brings about thinking of the conclusion that I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm wandering about in life with no sense of direction. I mean, being lost is like going around in circles and coming back to the same place and to realize that I've been here before. The only thing that's changed is the time. Time has gone. I'm no closer to where I want to be because I don't know where I want to be. Last week, a, a young man named Manuel came up to the beach wall down in Loreto, Mexico, and he started to yell. And so I went out and I sat with him and we had a nice talk together. He's 27 years old. He's from Oaxaca and it's the southwest part of Mexico. And he was uh, a freshwater fisherman and he described the fish that he caught there in the clear rivers of Oaxaca and and I told him about the fish that was there in the Gulf of California, and he never heard of those, and I never heard of those. And uh, he left his home alone, and he was in Loretto, had been there for four days. And nice lady told him he could sleep in an abandoned house, and he was walking on the beach. And he showed me a receipt. He said he was so proud of this receipt. Pulled it out, showed it was from Coppell Department Store, and it was for 1,000 pesos, $50. And... Uh, he was very proud of that receipt because it was from his father and it showed that his father, his family loved him and cared for him. And I asked him, well, why did you come to Loretto? And he told me, he said he wanted to, he wanted, I wanted to prove my, try out my luck, strike out on my own, my luck. And he was searching. Paul Simon wrote a song called America. In his song, he used America as a place that people were looking for and they never found. And in the song, America, it's about a young boy and a young girl who said to themselves, let us be lovers, we'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my bag. So we bought a pack of cigarettes and Mrs. Wagner's pies and walked off to look for America. And then at one point they're on a Greyhound bus, the boy says, Kathy, I'm lost, I said, though I knew she was sleeping. I'm empty and aching, and I don't know why. Counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike, they've all come to look for America. All come to look for America. All come to look for America. The boy said, Kathy, I'm lost. I'm aching, I'm empty and aching, and I don't know why. And the reason he was empty and aching is because as he said it, he was lost. Being lost is a horrible consequence of falling into sin. And all of these horrible consequences 
of falling into sin, the guilt, the dirtiness, the brokenness, the restlessness, the loneliness, the emptiness, the hurt, the insecurity, the lostness, they're all symptoms of one state, death. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Spiritual death, soul death, inner death, all because of that one promise that motivated Satan in Genesis 2.17. Genesis 2.17, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And when Adam and Eve fell into sin, they surely died. And Satan, as an enemy of God and an enemy of man, was overjoyed and rejoicing at those horrible consequences that followed the spiritual death. And Micah sees the devil over him and rejoicing because of those horrible consequences of sin. And Micah from underneath says to Satan in Micah 7, 8, our verse, Micah 7, 8, rejoice not over me, O mine enemy. And we can imagine Micah saying, we can imagine Satan saying to Micah, why not, Micah? Why should I not rejoice over you as your enemy? I won. You are defeated. You are in misery with those horrible consequences of sin you fell into. And Micah then musters up his strength, and he says to Satan, I have hope. And my hope is, verse 8, Micah 7, verse 8, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Micah knew that he had fallen into sin because Micah said in this verse, the next verse, verse nine, Micah seven, nine, Micah seven, nine, I have sinned against him. Micah knew he fell into sin. Micah knew he was in the darkness of sin. Micah knew that he was experiencing the horrible consequences of the fall into sin when he said in verse eight, in verse eight, when I sit in darkness. Micah had the hope of when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. When I fall, I shall arise. Micah's hope was in the resurrection from death unto life. Micah knew he was going to be resurrected from the darkness of death into the light of life. When I sit in darkness, Micah said, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Micah knew that he was going to be resurrected by following the Lord out of darkness into life, as Peter put it in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Micah knew that he was going to follow God as his savior from death, as when Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. He was a leader bringing others from the dead into life. According to Hebrews 2.10, Hebrews 2.10, it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Jesus Christ came to earth to lead us from death, from the horrible consequences of the fall into sin to life in the resurrection. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to come to earth. There was no death around him in heaven. There were none of those horrible consequences in heaven, but God the Father so loved the world that he asked Jesus Christ, 
to leave heaven, leave his divine throne, come to earth, and Jesus Christ told us what his response was to God the Father when he was asked in Hebrews 10.9, Hebrews 10.9, when Jesus Christ said, lo, I come to do the will of God. That verse is Jesus Christ saying to God, Father, leave heaven, become a man, suffer agony and death on a Roman cross, and then be resurrected from the dead to lead others out of death into life. Glad to do it, Father. That was his response. And God the Father loved man so much that when he saw Satan dancing over man, God said, in essence, the words of Micah 7, 8, Micah 7, 8, rejoice not against man, O Satan. When man falls, he shall arise, because I'll send my son, who will not only become a man and will fall and die as a man, but then he shall arise. And when he arises, he'll bring others like Micah to arise with him. And as that, Jesus Christ said, in John 3.16, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes into him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when Jesus Christ stood face to face with death, with the death of his friend Lazarus, and the sister of Lazarus was crying over the death of her brother, Jesus Christ told her that the way to the resurrection was himself. When he said in John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, when he was resurrected from the dead, it was for others. He didn't have to die because he is life itself. He chose to die because that's just who he is. Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There are two words that are essential about the resurrection of Jesus Christ as who we follow for us to be resurrected from the dead. And those two words are from and to. Romans 1.4, Romans 1.4, the resurrection from the dead. John 5.29, John 5.21, the resurrection to life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was a resurrection from death. 1 Corinthians 15.3, 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for our sins. Christ was dead for our sins. Christ was buried dead. And when he rose in resurrection, he rose from death to life. And no one 
can be resurrected to life unless they know that they are resurrected from death. There's no resurrection to life unless there's a resurrection from death. There was a blind man who came to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ asked him what seemed a very, very odd question. The man was blind in Luke 18.41, Luke 18.41, and Jesus said, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may recover my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight, thy faith hath made thee whole. If a person wants to be resurrected with Jesus Christ to life, he must confess that he is dead in sin and confess to Christ that he is dead in sin because he's a sinner. That means coming to Christ guilty of sin and asking for a pardon for sins. Isaiah 40, verse two, Isaiah 40, verse two, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, her iniquity is pardoned. That means coming to Jesus Christ dirty from sin and asking for cleansing from sin. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That means coming to Jesus Christ hungry and thirsty and asking to be satisfied. John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. That means coming to Jesus Christ restless and tormented from sin and asking for peace. John 14, 27, 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Romans 5, 1, Romans 5, 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means coming to Jesus Christ lonely, asking for the companionship of God. Hebrews 13.5, 13.5. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means coming to Jesus Christ empty and asking to be filled with God. Ephesians 3.19, 3.19. To know the love of God, which passes understanding, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Colossians 2.9, Colossians 2.9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. That means coming to Jesus Christ hurt, asking for his comfort, John 14.26, John 14.26, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said to you. Romans 15.5, 15.5, we through patience and comfort of the spirit of the scriptures might have hope. That means coming to Jesus Christ insecure, asking for true security. Hebrews 6.19, Hebrews 6.19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Deuteronomy 33.27, 33.27, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath of the everlasting arms. That means coming to Jesus Christ lost and asking to be saved. Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that means coming to Jesus Christ dead and asking him for life. John 17.3, John 17.3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's what it means to be resurrected from death into life, a resurrection with Jesus Christ 
from death to life. Unless a person comes from his own personal death, confessing to Jesus Christ his own personal guilt, dirtiness, hunger, restlessness, loneliness, emptiness, insecurity, lostness, there's no resurrection. There's no resurrection to the life of pardon, cleansing, satisfaction, peace, companionship with God, filling, comfort, security, and salvation. Today, we celebrate Jesus Christ, who was resurrected from the dead to life for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what a Savior, hallelujah, to take us from death to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.